it's very different being a performer of a creative work as opposed to actually creating the work. Um, and that's, that's not put down of actors. And I'm glad I had that experience. Um, and in some ways now, I think it would probably be helpful for me to take acting classes just to put myself in the shoes of actors. Yeah. Uh, well, I make them do <laughs> well, yeah, what your expectations well, are that are going to yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what I put them through. And, um, and I have been reading, I have, you know, and of course I've worked with, at this point, I've worked with a lot of actors and some really great ones too. Yeah, the process of you know, the development process, and, you know, it's, there's no one set way. It differs from show to show. Mm. Um, but when it works well, what's exciting is um, when you, you know, good actors will will elevate your material. Oh, okay. Um, and you often learn, you know, there with and with great actors, you actually learn there are things you don't need to to be said because they can act it. it doesn't have to be written out. Oh, interesting. Um, everyone, and welcome to Living in the Limelight. I'm your host, Jay Huller. As a quick reminder, please follow us on Instagram at Living in the Limelight Show, and check out our website at livinginthelimelight.com. And of course, you can find our podcasts through all the major streaming services, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Check us out also on YouTube at Living in the Limelight Podcast. Each week, we feature a conversation with a different artist where we delve into what makes them tick, and sometimes we get pro tips on pursuing a career as an artist. If you are a performer or know someone who is and would like to be considered for our show, check out the questionnaire at livinginthelimelight.com, and thanks so much for listening. Randall David Cook is a New York-based playwright who originally hails from South Carolina. To date, he's produced two shows off-Broadway, namely Saki with the Haiku Geisha and Fate's Imagination, both with nice reviews from the New York Times. He's created an array of plays, dance musicals, and so much more, really with too many accolades to even count. Join us as we discuss the art of writing, the process of taking a play into production, and fascinating tidbits in between. Let's welcome Randall David Cook to Living in the Limelight. Hello. Hello, is this Randall? Hi, Dave. This is Randall. How are you? I am great. I'm so glad to be able to talk to you, and uh, I'm just I was just thinking about this. You are the first playwright, one that I've ever talked to at length, because I know this is going to be a great conversation, and two to be on this this show, this platform. Um, and I love how we're kind of flipping the tables here, because he's usually focused on the people on that stage, but you are you're driving that. So I want to thank you right up front for just taking the time to, to have this conversation. Absolutely, and thank you for having me. Of course. I always like to start way back because I think, you know, science says that we are from what we came from. And uh, I'd love to know where your, where the, the, the bug, the writing bug came for you and how it just sort of like pushed at you and, and brought you to where you are because you're, you're writing these great pieces and, and putting actors on stages and just entertaining all these people. And it, it had to come from, from somewhere, what did you first kind of think? Well, you know what this might be for me. 
Great question and complicated, right? The origins of these things. <laughs> yeah. um, it's uh, you know the theater. Uh, I've always been a, a strong a strong writer, mm-hmm. if you will. I mean, rather the teachers told me I was a good writer, right? So, right, right. So like, <laughs> so, and when teachers tell you you're good at something, you tend to often sort of develop that and follow that. Sure. Um, I remember starting getting that kind of feedback even as early as sixth grade. Um, and then, uh, even when we're in college, like even English comp, which I was, afraid, as hilarious, I was afraid to take the basic English class at, um, at college. And so I heard it was a real heartbreaker for a lot of grades mm-hmm. for a lot of people, but I ended up, I did well. I made an A in that class. And then I was like, hmm. <laughs> no, that <laughs> is, you're absolutely right. That, that, that. Um, thought is out there, and I had the same thing when I was in that freshman English class. It's like, oh, it's gonna kill me. <laughs> yes, no, I totally. You know, I mean, I waited until I was a sophomore to take it, I mean, which is ridiculous. But um, um, and I ended up writing a lot for um, the student newspaper, and then became editor. But um, so I was on that. But then junior year of college, um, the theater on campus. I was always interested. And um, before I even go to, I'm going to jump back for a second. Sure. Um, my sophomore or my sophomore year of high school, uh, someone next to me in class, in biology class, turned to me and said, "You know, they're they're showing this thing on Great Performances on Friday night um, called Sweeney Todd. Oh. You should you should watch it." And for some reason, I this was back in the day of a day of VCR. Sure, <laughs> I I taped I taped it while I was watching it, and Sweeney Todd, of course, is the Stephen Sondheim Hugh um, Hugh Wheeler musical, and that blew my mind. Well, what do you um, think about it? Like, blew your mind. What was it that? And was so captivating because I, when I talk to musicians, for example, it's 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 music that their parents play for them or church or it's something. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, you know, I had I had been raised with music my whole life because my mom was a choir director and a piano teacher, mm-hmm. and so there was always music in the house. But she taught piano at home, so the background of my upbringing was always music. Mind you, it wasn't always beautiful music. You have a lot of beginner students making mistakes mm-hmm. and you're hearing the same thing over and over again. But, um, so I was raised with, and I was also raised Lutheran. Okay. Um, come from a long line Lutheran ministers. And so if you're raised Lutheran, you hear a lot of J.S. Bach. Oh, um, yes, right. So, yeah, so I had a lot of Bach in my background and, um, Bach was a lot of music period. And then what happened when I, I was sophomore year of high school when I, saw this production of Sweeney Todd on television. There's an irony of that, actually. Um, I, and, but prior to that, theater to me only was like Sound of Music and The Music Man. Mm-hmm. Um, these great, great age musicals, um, golden age musicals, I should say, um, that I liked very much. But suddenly I'm watching this musical with amazing an amazing score, but... At the start of Act Two, it's a blend of ballad and while they're singing this beautiful love ballad, and different characters are, are different places on the stage, and all the stories happening simultaneously. Oh. This barber is cutting people's throats on stage, and those <laughs> bodies are being turned into pies that are being eaten. 
And I thought, wait a minute, what is this? You know, yeah. theater isn't just Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals. Um, mm-hmm. Is it Hammerstein or Hammerstein? I always get that confused. I <laughs> so, you, I'll put that in your hands because it's... <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah, I know. But, um, so, that, uh, that actually opened the door. And actually, I have heard, I've learned over time that that Sweeney Todd production of All Great Performances um, was a gateway for many people who work in theater now. I mean, it is that incredible. And the staging... So it's only my imagination was wrapped up like, what is this? And that got me investigating, um, okay, what is theater is not just what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. It's much more than that. And what do I not know? Huh. Um, and the the bug bit me and it never quite let go. Yeah, um, no, apparently not. <laughs> no, yeah, it really didn't. So even, even when I was not, I didn't, cause I didn't study theater in college, um, but I was really interested from that point forward. And, I would go and uh, I would I would just check out plays from the library and I was just I was a voracious reader mm-hmm. and of course when you've had a little exposure there's a lot to read um, and I continued that and then junior year of college I'm going back to where I sort almost sort of started uh, a production of um, the 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 theater department was doing a production of All's Well That Ends Well the Shakespeare play was okay. his problem plays and. As a large male cast, there are a few like five female roles, but mostly males and not enough guys auditioned. I don't know where all the regulars were. Maybe they didn't want to do the problem play. <laughs> yeah. In any case, they did like a second round of auditions, and a friend said, you should try out. And I did on a whim. And I'm sure it was a terrible, terrible audition. <laughs> but they, but they, they needed everyone, you know, every bloke they could find. And so I was cast. But And that experience, being in a play, it's, it's, it's quite priceless, by the way, to start with Shakespeare. I don't recommend that mm-hmm. um, for, any, for the budding actors out there. Um, but doing a, I love the vibe. I love the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. And that never left me. So in college at that point, I was involved in the theater and, you know, doing a lot of writing. But the two did not, so it's all started with that. And I just kept, um, but, you know, I put it aside for many years. I kept t- telling myself I wasn't going to do that. Also, my my sort of, my plan was to work on the business side of theater. Okay. Um, that's, I majored in business in college and then got an international MBA and had worked overseas in Japan and France. And then um, and when I moved to New York City, I I planned to work on the business side of theater. I was, and, I was, I was, I, and I was interested in that, too. Um, ha- and had I been... Had met with the right people. A lot of people I know, I now know, um, that might have been what happened. Interesting. I might have, I might be doing that, but um, I met terrible people. <laughs> it was awful, <laughs> and and then I just started going. You know, but I was here in New York. I always wanted to leave here because I wanted to see theater on a regular basis, mm-hmm. and, I, and I was going and going, and I started complaining to some of my friends. Well, I'm not that impressed with what I'm seeing. And then one of them finally said to me, well, if you think you can do better, you do it. Yeah, you sit down, you know, the challenge is uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because it's very easy. You know, to, you know, it's very easy to criticize. Um, so I sat down and wrote that first play. Um, it took a year, and I'm sure if I looked at the first draft, I would probably shriek in horror. Mm. But I didn't know. I, I, I never had a writing class. 
Um, I never had a theater class. So I'm just, I, I, had, I had seen a lot and I had oh. read a lot. Yeah. Oh. So you just kind of, you, um, you, you, were, you were driven from that and you just almost like a cold turkey sense. You just said, okay, I'm going to do this. And you, uh, you yep. didn't know maybe the formatting of the way the script is supposed or the whole, the documents. Oh, no, no. My, I, oh had my totally re, I had to totally reformat once I did it. You know, a draft someone said, by the way, this is not how this is done. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, it also, it, but in some ways, the ignorance was sort of blissful, right? Yeah. It was It was pure you know, just a pure stream of imagination. And I had so much fun with it because I didn't know what I did not know. <laughs> um, and yeah, but then, you know, insanely, um, at, you know, I showed it to a few friends and then someone handed it to someone else because I knew no one in the business at all oh at this point. Um, and they said, let's do a reading of the play. Um, and I said, what's a reading? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't know. Um, and then we had it, and then someone at that reading handed it somewhere else, and then um, that play ended up being produced. My very first play ended up being produced. Um, wow. And it, it had some readings at some prestigious spots as well on the way. So, yeah, that to- I was totally thrown into the industry from the very first play. Um, and I don't even, I don't recommend playwrights having their first play produced for lots of reasons. Um, Feel free to share those. Talk, any good Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, again, you don't know. I guess you always have to have that first production, right? Mm-hmm. But I guess um, for most people, they wouldn't have done that so-called turkey. They would have had, taken some drama classes, maybe been involved in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But me and I having done, literally being tossed into the ocean. And swim, and swim or drown. Swim or drown. And, yeah. Wow. So that, yeah, it, it was a, a circuitous path for me, and not direct. And so during that process, what is it? You mentioned the vibe of being on stage, and I, I get that. Um, I, I auditioned for one thing one time, and just the audition itself was so riveting. And uh, you know, so I could sort of maybe get the glimpse of what that's like. Enough. To, I've talked to actors before, but do you? Do you have, what are the emotions that run through you and you can talk to that first piece that you did or maybe currently when when your work, your art is is going from hand to hand, it's being read at a table, it's being judged before it's even on stage, before the costumes, before the all of it, it the very, the, the virginal stage of it um, and its process. What is that like for you? Is it filled with um, just a range of emotions? Are you, or how do you feel? Yes, typically it is. I mean, you know, the the performing aspect is so so different. Mm. Um, it's very different being a performer of a creative work as opposed to actually creating the work. Um, and that's, that's not put down of actors. And I'm glad I had that experience. Um, and in some ways, now I think it would probably be helpful for me to take acting classes mm-hmm. just to put myself in the shoes of actors. Yeah. Uh, well, I make them do <laughs> well, yeah, what your expectations well, are that are going to yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what I put them through. And, um, and I have been reading, I have, you know, and of course I've worked with, at this point, I've worked with a lot of actors and some really great ones too. Um, uh, but yeah, the process of you know, the development process, it, you know, it's, there's no one set way. It differs from show to show. Mm. Um, but when it works well, what's exciting is, um, when you, 
you know, good actors will will elevate your material. Oh, okay. Um, and you often learn, you know, there with and with great actors, you actually learn there are things you don't need to to be said because they can act it. it doesn't have to be written out. Oh, interesting. Um, huh. Yeah, I had a. Um, I was doing a big reading with um, uh, for a, a play called In a Town Near Faith with um, actress Barbara Berry, who um, was an Oscar nominee in 79 for Breaking Away. She lost to Meryl Streep, as many people do <laughs> lose to Meryl Streep. Yes. <laughs> um, but but, um, but she, she'd won can. Um, she was an Emmy nominee and a Tony nominee. Like she's been, she's been in the business yeah. forever, and she knows, you know, she's, she's a great. So we had this big, this was an all day thing. So we rehearsed all day with a perform with a, uh, a, a performance, a reading performance for the public that night. Oh, wow. And in the middle of the afternoon, she, you know, she asked to speak to me privately. And I sat down next to her and she says, you know, I don't, and mind you, this is, you know, by far among the cast, this is the actor with the most accolades, mm-hmm. right? I have, I am working with an Oscar Emmy and, you know, Tony nominated actor. And she's, you know, she has, she, you know, she's done it all. And so what she's and, about to share with you should be yeah, paid attention. Well, to. yeah, no, I, yeah, exactly. Not only that, but you'd be insane not to listen. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, but then she, you know, but, so, but this is how true to the art she is. She told me, I don't need all these words. She was basically telling, let's cut my dialogue as much as we can. Interesting. Now, yes, it takes a very secure actor and actor very true to the work um, as a whole to, to ask for that. And so we sat down right then and there and I cut, 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 cut. And did she, did she explain to you, or are you just taking her on, on, on faith or did she kind of give you a glimpse of, well, like, for example, did she on the spot show you how fewer words could still be portrayed through acting or you just kind of like, okay, well, she knows her stuff. I'm going to do this. And then you saw the result of the conversation after. Uh, Actually, both things. We did it line by line. We did it line by line in private. You know, uh-huh. like, what does she need? You know, it's, I'm not sure. I can't, I don't remember. I can't imagine she would have acted that for me, but we would talk about it. Okay. Um, and, and everything made, you know, everything was logical. If it had been illogical to me, I wouldn't have cut it. Gotcha. Um, and then boom, boom, boom. And then I got to see it performed that evening, you know, which was a great turnaround. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. um, okay. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, she's absolutely right. And, and, and actually, the truth is, Jay, almost everything can be shorter, right? I mean, rarely does an audience complain about something being too short. True, but I and and pardon my, you know, just I'm I'm a novice at this, but to me, I, in my mind, it almost has to start um, on the paper in long form just to have the thoughts out there. One, for any novice actors who don't know how to do what she just did for you. And two, if there are fewer words, what if the um, actors portraying that go in a totally different direction that maybe words that had been there or should have been there weren't? 
So I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, yeah. more is more is better in the beginning. And then if it gets cut, um, and did you get your, were your feelings hurt at all when like, she's like, oh, let's strike all this or was it just all professional? No, no, not at all. I, she had worked on me with me. Um, like that year, that producer who was sort of guiding that project mm-hmm. had basically set up, he was working for Disney at the time. So we would rehearse at the, <laughs> at the Amsterdam theater, um, 42nd street. Oh, wow. Um, because above where it, where Aladdin was showing, mm-hmm. um, because at the very top, um, Ziegfeld, that's where the Disney offices are. Mm-hmm. And Ziegfeld used to have, Lawrence Ziegfeld used to have his offices up there. So I want to say for every two months of that year, he, this producer was really itching for me to get this play done. Mm-hmm. So he arranged for these actors to get together with me every two months, two or three months. For me to keep, you know, keep me on deadline and keep ah. me, you know, writing pages. Mm-hmm. So, and then some actors would come and go if they weren't quite right. But Barbara, you know, Barbara Berry, this acclaimed actress signed up. She wanted to do, she loved it. She wanted to do it. So she'd been working with me for a full year or at least, oh. at least a, for a big chunk of change. I thought, I can't believe I'm getting an actor of her caliber to come in and literally just read pages. Um, but, uh, so no, my feelings absolutely were not hurt. It's all my yeah. I don't get hurt. For me, always in the rehearsal room and tech rehearsal. Actually, for pretty much from anybody, if um, the best note, good the best idea wins. Okay. Because yeah, when when all said and done, it's about the work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also not the one on stage. Thank goodness. Thank goodness for everybody. Right. Um, <laughs> so if the, um, if the best a, idea is what derives into the final result, oh, you know, there you always, go. Okay. Always, oh, always, always, you know, um, and I have, I try to have very little ego about that mm-hmm. because and one thing I love about collaboration is and why I don't direct my own pieces, especially the first or second production of any piece is I want that, that other, other persons, I want their thoughts, I want their creativity I want that collaboration. We can come up with more together than I can by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've learned that. I've talked to a lot of um, Nashville musicians, and I'm just—it shocks me every time. I still not quite used to it because to me, it's like a dog eat dog world out there. But it, it's not. It's the opposite in Nashville. And it sounds like New York is the same way. It's just like, no, oh, okay, yeah, we're both dogs, <laughs> but we're both gonna eat, right? We need to eat the food that's out there. So let's work together, and they make beautiful music. In yeah, it is. So. Um, I, that, it is. That is what's so. Um, it, it is. It is tricky. You know, any any aspect of entertainment and the music industry is no joke. <laughs> um, you know, everyone's sort. You know, you're clawing your way to get to a certain point. Mm-hmm. But I think once you're in a room with somebody, once you're at a certain place, um, yeah. I mean, everybody wants. Everybody wants to do their best work. Everybody wants to succeed. Um. The hard part can be to get in that room. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> the room is where the, the decisions are made. I'm trying to quote Hamilton, but I did a really poor job. But The sausage. Yeah, the room where it happens. The room right? where it you happens. To, <laughs> yeah, you want to be in the room where it happens. And, um, and you know, and, and it's funny, like in that show, of course, you know, Hamilton's frustrated because he's not in the room where it happens. And mm-hmm. it's, so it can be very, very frustrating for for anyone who actually wants to collaborate, wants to make art, wants to you know make something, uh, we're always 
you're always clamoring to get into the room and sometimes the room, the doors open often they're not. Um, have you learned some but, lessons over the years? Um, cause you've done this a while now to like for somebody who's going to jump into it and hopefully they do it, you know, in the, in the ways that you've suggested, but lessons along the way to help provide access to that door. Uh, is it about who, you know, is it more about how you pour into your craft? Um, are there some it's, tidbits of things you could share? Sure. It's, um, it's, it's both of those things you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, even if you have all the connections in the world, if you don't have any craft, you know, you might get one shot at something that other people would not get, but that's going to be it. And it's not going to be fulfilling. It's not going to be satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, and there won't be a follow-up. Oh, interesting. Um, but also, you know, you know, for writers especially, and actually, it's interesting, you know, a lot of, I imagine, I, I know this is true for actors, I imagine this is true for musicians as well. I know this is true for visual artists. Um, and, you know, a lot of artists are actually quite, they're introverted. They can be shy. Mm-hmm. They can they can turn that on when they need to. You know, performing is, you know, a different thing. It's a persona. It's, for an actor, they're actually, they're playing a character. Um, but in, in their private lives, they might actually be quite, quite shy Mm -hmm. um so networking is not something fun for them to do this is not everyone right i'm envious of those who really have the skill i've i've worked had to work really hard at the social aspect of things not that i'm an asocial person but especially especially for writers writers are by nature introverts at heart you have to be because you are sitting alone for hours on end for hours and hours with a piece of paper and for you know you are i mean you know you might work on something for years before you get to actually collaborate with people um so and and it's like playwrights are required to have different skill sets because you're you have to work alone for a long period of time and then if you're lucky enough to get production then you're suddenly collaborating and you need to be a good collaborator. <laughs> you know, not, not, novelists don't have this. You know, novelists and poets don't have this. Yeah, that's right. That's a good point. Yeah, hard. they do. They get to work in private. Yeah, they get to work in private and that's that. Now, mind you, but they have to do public readings. You know, in the social media aspect of this is so important now. So, but, it, but also, yeah, this is where the networking is really important as well. You have to, and not just meeting people, but meaningful networking. And that means keeping up with people. Mm-hmm. And that has different forms. But part of that, of course, is all going to support fellow artists. Interesting. Which you, well, you admittedly love to do because you love going to the theater anyway and anything surrounding that. So that's a natural. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I do. But sometimes, you know, but sometimes it's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> and, Long hours. And, and <laughs> yeah. I mean, and not everything, you know, not everything that your friends do is going to be successful. Just as like everything I have, I have done has not been totally successful. Um, so not every evening is full of bliss. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it can be the opposite of that, but yes. And, you know, and not only is it going to support the artists, but often, you know, waiting afterwards to talk to them or shooting them a note or shooting them a letter um, it's, it's showing, you know, it's just like with many things in life, it's about showing up. Yeah. You have to show up. So you're, you are, you, you, and then there's a, that question about with, with limited time, do I show up or do I stay home and develop my craft? 
Yeah. Um, you have to make that. Yeah. You have to, huh. Yeah. Yeah. That choice. You're always making that choice. Okay. So um, running through my mind right now is um, for whatever reason in whatever movie, I couldn't even name the movie. It's been in several, but like you've got the scene with um, a networking scene, right? It's a party. Everyone's drinking and talking and you, you've, you're at the, the, the end of writing your, your piece and it's, it's ready for a playwright. Cause for, Back in the day, and I'm probably going to date myself here a little bit, but back in the day, it was like if a musician had a song, a demo, or whatever, it's, hey, can I give this to you? Let me, let me give you this cassette. <laughs> That's all right. You know that reference. But nowadays, is it, you don't carry around a tome uh, necessarily, or do you? Right. No, no. I mean, well, of course, now with PDFs, right, you can just simply email stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you're not no. face-to-face with the person to... to to, you know, like, and is that, so is that necessary? Is it, so it's necessary to make the contact with them to do the small talk, to exchange information. And then later comes the exchange of the work, I guess. Yes. Okay. A <laughs> very simple answer. Yes. I mean, but <laughs> although that said, that said, I know there are screenwriters who just simply, they'll, they will show up with hard copies. Um, and you, you can do that. I think at this point, if you really want to stick out, you could put a hard copy of the script in someone's hands and it would be very different from interesting. So um, yeah, this pendulum has, has swung the other way. It used to be. It, yeah, ah. it is. But you know, but you want someone to give a thoughtful read, right? And mm-hmm. the likelihood of someone giving a thoughtful read is we much greater. If you've actually created a real connection with them that actually made that person want to ask you to read your script. Because uh, it's one thing they hand the script out, but they have to read it. Right. <laughs> or the right, it's pen the doorstop. That's not, yeah, or right to the bin. Yeah, right in the bin. So fascinating. So and it's also, and on, and on top of all this, of course, is you have to develop such a thick skin because, you know, the amount of rejection you're going to get is pretty insane. And the, um, the rejections, have they come in um, various colors for you in terms of, of, of severity? Like, um, I would imagine, okay, I'm so sorry, Randall, this was, this was really good. I would, I, I followed the story and it's good, but this, this, and this, there's a little constructive criticism to all out. Like, this is the biggest piece of trash I've ever, have you gotten gotcha. all of that? Um, <laughs> you typically don't get, I mean, you don't get demolished until you get reviews. <laughs> for what, for, unless it's like one of my close, like I do have a few friends who are like early readers, um, I remember one play I wrote probably around 2016. No, it was right before President Trump got elected. So, and I'm in 2016 then. Um, he looked at that year. So, yeah, they said, you know, do not show this play to anyone. <laughs> just just uh, tuck it away. So, yes, but mind you, so actually, so hilariously, just to be spiteful, I submitted it to several big playwright conferences and got accepted to one. Oh, <laughs> <With that wow. laughs> play, yeah, just to, pr- just to prove her wrong. But, um, but yeah, the play has not had a great life, you know, which is, you know, it's insane. But, um, yeah, uh, sometimes the plays are just not right for certain venues, for certain people. Wow. Um, and, and now we're in, a, we're in an era where, because, you know, theater hasn't really recovered from the COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. So there are shorter seasons and, and whatnot, and and fun. You people haven't returned to the theater like in numbers they used to, 
and there just isn't the funding. So, you know, a one character play is going to be much more desirable than a 10 character play right now, just mm. for, um, especially if actors are being paid. Right, so that makes sense. absolutely. That's a huge thing right now. So, um, so you, so you're, you know, your play might be rejected just on those terms alone. Um, but yeah, in terms of the co- but in terms of the colors, I mean, I, two days ago, I got a rejection from a playwrights conference in California, and it basically said we're not even going to evaluate your application. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so it certainly that was a, that was a, that, that was a, that was a, that was a new one for me. I thought, wow. I'm not even gonna be. They're not even gonna be. I'm not gonna be evaluated. So, um, it, but they it, was that having to do with a resume or with just um, your name starts with the letter R. <laughs> you know, I, I know. I think they were inundated, so they might have capped uh-huh. it. Hilarious. I was talking to another. Cause it's funny. I I told another playwriting friend to make sure that she applied for the same conference. She texted me this afternoon saying, "Oh, thank you for letting me know." They're looking at my play. (laughs) (laughs) And you let her in the door. (laughs) uh, Yeah, no, exactly. So she is being evaluated. Um, And mind you, they probably, I guess they just have to limit it. Um, But weirdly, I asked her, I said, I don't even remember what the application entailed. I don't know what's being evaluated to be evaluated. Um, Because my rule of thumb has also been, uh, I've learned, you know, just apply for things. And, you know, maybe put it in a spreadsheet, make a note of it somewhere, and then move on to the next thing, you know, because you don't, you don't have control over what's being accepted. Um, and so this is a perfect example of that. I don't even remember what, I know what the conference is. It's a great conference, but I don't, a development you know, opportunity, but I don't remember what the, the criteria were to be evaluated, to be evaluated. Yeah. Um, and are the conferences that you're mentioning, is that, besides obviously networking, I can imagine that, but um, a sort of a, um, a good training ground for, uh, for work? Because when I, when I talk to musicians, they perform. You know, they're out there doing gigs nightly, if not several times a week, and, and you're not afforded that um, luxury of just putting your work out nightly for people. You're, you're still working on it or it's not ready or is this just not there is are these conferences good for that and it's a, like a good reason to um do as many as you can each one's different um mm-hmm. the number of conferences have gone down significantly um in the past few years and development opportunities so the ones that do exist have become in a way by just by default more prestigious okay. and interesting and um so they're very hard to get into um I've gotten into two in the re- in recent years. Um, one of them, I, one of them, I'm still shocked I got into. <laughs> so, <laughs> a really like like one percent got in about like a thousand. I don't know how, I don't know how that happened to be honest. But that's also part of the game, right? Yeah, of course. you can't you can't be chosen if you don't apply. Right. And there was a period I will say it, this was in two thousand and one. In the spring, so like people still were not going out because of COVID, and at least not in New York. Under different parts of the country, I acted differently. But um, you know, theaters were not open yet for sure. But I, I would apply to all these things, and so a lot of a lot of plays were being done online or audio plays. And 
I applied, you know, I applied to all, it's like, like for colleges, right? You have all your safety schools and then your reaches. Okay. Yeah. And then you might apply to like, you know, an Ivy League or two or that kind of tier. Um, yeah, this was what this was. I thought, okay, I will apply to this, but I will not get in. And I'll apply to all these other things as well. Well, I got into nothing but the top one. Um, I got endless rejections and they got, suddenly got this yes. So you, you just don't know. Interesting. Yeah. You don't oh know. Um, but you, you have to, um, actually, what's the original question? I feel like I have skirted the answer to the original question. Um, <laughs> no. Oh, no, it was, it was about, it was, it was about the conferences. And so, um, you know, for player, you know, the conferences sometimes, so they're all different. Some have different, um, sometimes you have actors there who are reading your work and you're discussing it. Um, definitely a major networking thing for sure. Mm-hmm. And so, especially for writers, because you work alone. So office, it's your only opportunity to actually be with other writers, um, which I always love because you don't get to be with them. Like even when you have productions, you're not with other playwrights, you're with actors and designers and a director. Um, maybe and, if you're doing a musical, maybe a composer, but yeah. Do you, yeah, so, do but, you swap, so actually, like, yeah. do you swap, sorry to interrupt. Do you swap like whole, um, whole plays and say, will you read my stuff? And then like, just, they hold themselves up and dedicate to you. And they do, like you said, a, a dedicated read, or is it just like, here's a, here's a snippet of the, my kind of writing. What do you think? Cause you're asking questions from each other, right? Yeah. It all depends. Right. So sometimes some workshops will just do a scene like 10 or 15 minutes. Um, I do have a writing group now that, you can ask, you know, to be done what you want to be done. So, like, I had a completed play. Um, I didn't need to hear it, but I wanted just their feedback on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, some conferences you've had, some conferences have had no work performed. I've just gone to take workshops to meet, work with people, to meet people. Um, other times I've had my entire play read in front of an audience. Oh, wow. Yes, they differ. And so to get that practice, as opposed to musicians, he has to have to go out and gig and do it. Mm-hmm. One hard thing about theater is, you know, you don't get to really, you know, you don't get to do that until you get a full production. You don't get to perform. Um, you can do a reading. You don't have, you don't need the big budget for that, but you do need the actors and a space. Um, but yeah, but, but even then like reading Reams can be deceptive, I find. And so, because the truth is you really only learn the craft when you have a, when you're, have a full production and you're in the rehearsal room and you're learning with everyone else at the same time. Mm-hmm. Which, and you've gone through that process and it's, and it, it has, after that, do you approach a new um, piece with, um, you, you, I mean, you're a learning you're a learned person and you learn all the time. So I imagine you take that information and those lessons learned and you apply it into the, the new piece of work. I do my best to do your best. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Of course that's, that's the, you know, like compared to what I need for my first, you know, few shows. Yeah, absolutely. You're like, um, you learn a lot about working with actors, of course, Mm -hmm. and, and directors, um, and different theaters, you know, theaters are not, you know, this, it's not monocultural, the theater world. Different theaters have different vibes and different audiences. Really interesting. So that, yeah. that if you, pardon this question, this is going to be like real out of left field for you, I'm sure. But so off-Broadway and Broadway, um, if you're, would you focus purposely in a microcosm way 
on a particular theater in the off-Broadway segment. And can you clarify those two terms for me? Um, sure. It's actually pretty, pretty basically it's contractual. Uh-huh. Um, Broadway houses are houses mainly that are all, all nearly all or right off Broadway, the Avenue in New York city. Okay. Um, and they're houses that have 500 seats or more. Oh. Off Broadway is, I think it's a hundred or 101 seats to 499. Um, and they don't have to be anywhere near Broadway. Right. Um, cause they're off it. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're off it. Right. And then you have off, off Broadway, which is, I think it was just 900 seats or less. And so they're, they're, they're it's all contractual, these things. Um, uh, is Broadway is, yeah, Broadway is very commercial. Of course, so you have to be able to fill those houses. So a lot of pieces, actually, to my mind, the most interesting pieces that come to Broadway are things that have started off Broadway or started in London mm. um, or, or maybe in Chicago, maybe regionally. Um, you know, Hamilton did, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was off Broadway, the public theater. So, so a lot, more, a lot more daring things end up getting the rapture for views. And if they're deemed commercial enough, then they can often transfer to Broadway. Because um, they're major, basically a few Broadway landlords. It's really a real estate business. Yeah, that's so uh, and that's, that's always shocking to people. It's really yeah. a real estate business. Yeah. Huh. And so because we are, Manhattan is an island. Real estate is outrageous. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. I know that yeah, for so, sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. and that includes, you know, that, that goes for theaters. You know, so if you think about theaters being a real estate business and about all the contracts, so I, I know this is it, for many people like, oh, I don't hear about the artistry involved. Well, the truth is, Broadway is Broadway is commercial. It's business. You do have some nonprofit theaters that have bought and taken over some Broadway houses, so they're sort of run as nonprofit Broadway houses now. This sort of hybrid. Uh-huh. Um, but even then, often plays will have to have, have won some awards off Broadway to get to that level. Um, uh, you know, Hades Town, the musical started off Broadway at New York Theater Workshop. A play, a play called Prayer for the French Republic, just transferred from Manhattan Theater Club, did it at their off Broadway house about a year and a half ago, and it's just now on Broadway. Uh, after it won the Drama Desk Award for Best Play, huh. so you have that. So, um, so, but yes, but, there are, but that all that said, you can write specifically for Broadway in the sense that you can try to create. You know, you might be if you're commissioned by a producer, like we're going to try to create this show for Broadway. You're trying to write a Broadway musical, for example. Mm-hmm. There are far more musicals than plays these days. Um, right, play plays for Broadway the way the economics are now, you pretty much need to have an A-list name attached to an actor um, to help sell tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, or you have the sterling resume or the playwright so well known, like Tom Stopper with Leopold Scott uh, the last few, last season. Well, like Tom Stopper, you know, has been an established name for you know, decades. Yeah. So it didn't, 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 it the off-Broadway houses, like the Public Man Theater Club, Playwrights Horizons, they all have specific things that they sort of do. Um, and it's a matter of can, the Atlantic, you know, it's sort of a matter of can you get in them and you have connections there and 
Um, it's it's an interesting. It's a, it's a big challenge. It's hard, you know, very hard. And then, of course, within those institutions, these nonprofit institutions, of course, the people who lead those they change too, because everything's always in flux. Interesting. Wow. Is that sort of the the holy grail? Um, being in a, a production in a Broadway house is that the is that the end of the line, the top of the heap for a, a playwright to have their piece there, um, or would you personally have a different goal um, for like, you could point to and say, I did it. This is, you know, like the best I could, I could ever be the the best reward. Is that what you yeah. want to do is to be like that? Or is there some other um, goal that maybe the layman doesn't know about that? If you, a, a Tony or, or whatever, um, what, what for you personally, and, and then maybe generally as a, a community, what's the, what's the, the best, what shows that you really did it? <laughs> you know, everyone's going to have a different answer for that, right? Uh-huh, yeah. um, for sure. I, not everyone, I don't necessarily aspire to Broadway because yeah. most, very few plays go to Broadway these days. Now, ha, ha, if I were a writer, say, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, you know, Broadway would absolutely be my goal. It, the, a much healthier ecosystem for the mm-hmm. theater industry. Um, it would be, it's unrecognizable today by today's standards. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, the great thing about a Broadway show would be the money. Yeah. <laughs> you I, know. Know. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, and then you would be eligible for a Tony Award. Um, I, the most prestigious award, I think, among playwrights is the Pulitzer, because that is, you know, that could be for off Broadway or for Broadway. Interesting. Um, I had no idea that there was, that. I, I think of, um, you know, of um, newspaper writers. Um, for that only. Yeah, no, right. But there is a Pulitzer Prize for drama. Okay. Wonderful. Um, um, and, uh, and now they have like a short list of like, you can be one of the final three, one of the three finalists. And, um, I, you know, a lot of people may disagree with that. I mean, I know for a long time, my goal was to have a show off Broadway and I got that. I've got a few of those now. That's so that fantastic. was, um, thank you. So that was, yeah, that was huge for me. I was very excited about that. Um, because then typically you're reviewed by the major, you know, outlets like New York Times, and um, and that that of course has become a challenge as well. That's a different discussion, but you know, <laughs> I got, but you know, I got you get the all the serious reviews and you're taken seriously, and um, yeah, that was that's a huge thing. Um, but also, place to be nominated for Pulitzer is from regional theaters too. They don't even have to be in New York. Mm. Um, so I don't know if there's a whole, you know, I think many playwrights now would say, well, the Holy Grail is Broadway so I can make some real money because the money situation is so desperate. <laughs> I did want and, to talk about that because with COVID especially, you may, you had me thinking so oh. hard about like with, it, you know, I, I, I can imagine where your revenue comes from and stream, but then that whole industry really shutting down like almost everything did. How was it for you? Um, yeah, that was pretty, it was pretty, pretty damn depressing. It was yeah, dire. I, I mean, literally the theater doors were shut, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the short doors were shut. So weirdly, I did have a play, a children's theater did one of my plays, I think in that summer of 2020, uh-huh. um, I had read something that weirdly had already talked about being socially distanced. It was, <laughs> I mean, part of the plot. 
Oh, and okay. So, so it fit perfectly. Well, they, yeah. So when someone asked me, and they had the kids on the form like six feet apart. And I mean, of course, you know, I, I saw it online, of course, because I wasn't there in person. No one was. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I have no idea if this actually works or not. But there it had. There it's been produced. You know, incredibly, I have made some money this year from theater when almost no one else has. Yeah. Um, oh, that's fantastic. But yeah, but very, you know, but for most people, including myself, like, that was just one tiny thing. But yeah, you know, our, you know all revenue just stopped. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people leave the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, I, I sat down and wrote my first, um, not my first, but in a long time, I thought, it's time for me to write a horror film. Um, you know, and that's why so many, so many, so many, so many playwrights have, they've gone to TV and film. Um, because the streamers, especially prior to 2019, were, you know, making endless amounts of product. Mm-hmm. Um, now that there's been a correct, a huge correction made, but the money's so much better in TV and film. I um, yeah. And so I, so when the sort I thought, and I've always wanted to write a horror film because I love horror. So I wrote it, and I don't need, I, I didn't, and I, I'm actually, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with it. And I'm gonna have to start sending that out. I was waiting for the actor strike and the writer strike to end. That was most of last year. Yes. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I think many people also sort of they pivoted like, what can I do? And um. And also, I did write a novel, my, my, my first novel last, in 2020 as well, which also, I need to go back and edit. Yeah, so I, a lot of us pivoted. You know, what can you do? But also, I did write plays. Yeah, so you basically, you hunkered into your work and you... you I did. You, you probably did. just didn't have the luxurious dining that... You, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> like no I, was, I, was cook, yeah. I, I was cooking more, right? You yes. know, and so when, when I'm cooking, it's much less 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 luxurious um yeah it was definitely it was definitely hunkered down um i i I used that time i went and got my mfa um during the shutdown and that also required me to get a lot of work done so i I didn't have that degree so i um so I, i was i managed to be somewhat productive during all that mess but the industry has not the industry was sort of bulldozed of course and it hasn't has not fully recovered yeah, I, I, like so many have, and it's it, it. For me, it's hard. I'm in I'm in a steady, you know, I'm in education, and so um, we made adjustments too. But it was it, it was pretty continuous in terms of um, stability, and uh, I feel right. I feel for everyone who went through that, and I often forget until I talk to someone and they tell me they walk me through. Well, yeah, okay, I was I couldn't do what I would normally do, and they had to make adaptations. So. Bravo to you for, um, you know, delving into all of it and, and making the best of it. And, and, and here we are kind of on the other side, knock on wood. And, uh, so, yeah, are... yeah, thank you. I um, yeah, I'm not sure, you know, I feel like, um, of course, a lot of that time I was sort of, I was, you know, I was rather than patting stuff on the back, I was sort of languishing because it was so depressing. Yeah. Um, cause you know, theater is such a large part of my life and suddenly the, you know, the doors are literally shut. Uh, there's yeah. nothing happening, you know? So, but mind you also, I had the privilege, you know, if I, you know, you're in education, you know, teachers had to, you know, school couldn't stop. Um, and the amount of pivoting the educators had to do was, and the students, you know, in those you know classes, it was pretty incredible and exhausting. I, you know, it was exhausting, I think for all of you guys. Yeah, it was. And, and, 
and scary, scary and frightful at the same time. Just like, okay, well, we're, we're here and people say we shouldn't be. And cause here in the South, especially, I'm not, I think New York was a little bit later, but we, it, as soon as it was feasible to open back up after shutdown, it, it happened in, in my area, especially. Right. And I would be getting correspondences from people like, really, you guys are really having in-person classes now. And so um, it, there was just that unknown and, uh, you know, and a lot of uncertainty that not to the degree that you, you faced, I don't think, but a different, it was a different experience. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I, I mean, who, who wasn't affected, right? Right. Yeah. No, um, it, it, it touched literally so many people. Um, I wanted to talk since we mentioned Hamilton, I, I just had to bring up the, the, I'll call him the master craftsman and you can correct me if I'm wrong. And, and maybe if you know what this magic sauce is, because he's been doing it a while, but that Lynn Manuel and his um his just really revolutionizing and this is I'm putting words in that you should say, but he's for me, like I didn't I went to plays in college and I have been to a few in as you know, my adult life and, and they've been I always like to appreciate them that way, but then all of a sudden my face is a soundtrack. My daughters couldn't put it down and I was mm. I was knee deep in the, the plot and I was relearning history and it was alive in my head. Um, wh- what do you think is his, you know, his, how does he do it? <laughs> how has he made it to this point um, in, in what you work in? Like, I mean, is he a, an, give me your thoughts on, on, on Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, yeah. Interesting. Um, I've actually, I've never met him in person. We've had, I've had friends who worked with him. Um, I think because also when I had a chance to, to meet with Lynn, he goes by Lynn in person. I'll call him Lynn well because we're not, you know, I'm not, you're not, not to there at that point yet. Got you. No, no, no. But like, I didn't realize, Oh, I need to get to know Lynn Manuel. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, he, uh, he's, um, well, you know, it started within the height. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's a school, that, a musical that he developed when he was in college, of all places. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, he worked on it for years and years, and then it hit. And um, actually, that was another show that was off Broadway that transferred Broadway, and it's a it's a very fun jubilee musical. I really I really enjoyed it when I saw it. Um, what what he did with Hamilton, and I saw Hamilton at university just because I. When it was on the range, I thought, you know, also like your daughter, he'd been, you know, mentioned him can stop playing. And I thought, yeah, if I put Hamilton on the syllabus, <laughs> you're um, going to have a full class. <laughs> I, and I had a very full class. Yep. Um, I, I made the read a lot more than that, but um, I made the read on Hamilton. And that, there's that book that, you know, that he came out with. Um, um, it's a, uh, what's interesting, you know, is that, he basically musicalized with rap the entire book, the whole libretto. So you've got this enormous amount of story mm-hmm. being told via song. So it's not like you know, it's not. Yeah, it's it's not like a book and you know you know often with musicals is you know musical lyrics by and book by, mm-hmm. and in Hamilton they initially did try to have they did have a book writer. And then he was just writing the songs and music, mm-hmm. and it wasn't working. 
that could tell. Because what Lin Manuel did was, yeah, you because know, if you read, you no, know, and I'll mind you, if you hear the cast recording, you, know, you are you're basically you are hearing the whole thing from start to finish, right? You know, it's not like 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 most cast recordings of Broadway musicals, you are hearing just the songs. You don't know what the story is. Well, in Hamilton, you are hearing everything. Yes. If you, you know, so he basically you know, his idea to use all these different forms because it's not just rap, but or hip hop. It's really more hip hop, but but then you know you also get these other songs that come in too, and of course you have King George with his you know sort of the monkeys inspired stuff, the sixties you know yes. British music. So um, he he plays around constantly, and he you know I mean hats off he created something different. He created something new, and it, my from my experience, about every twenty years you have a musical that just sort of explodes like this and hits the public consciousness as a whole. Um, I've, I've, been, I've been around long enough to see that twice now. Because um, right when I moved to New York was right when Rent happened. Okay, yes, of course. And that was so massive. That was also mind you, pretty much pre-social media. Mm-hmm. Trust me, if social media had existed, when that thing hit, because especially with Jonathan Larson, the composer, and he too wrote the book and, you know, and he died before the first preview. So there's this whole a show about, you know, the tragedy of death, you know, coming too quickly for young artists in New York City. Well, his composer died before he saw it go to, you know, be staged. Oh, my goodness. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, the story's incredible. Um, and it's fitting, you know, that I mentioned, you know, so that was like 1996. And then basically 20 years later, 2016, Hamilton and, and 1976 was a chorus line. Uh-huh, so yes. you have these huge, massive shows that break with form. They're different. Um, and it's fascinating that Lin Manuel actually directed Tick Tick Boom, the film with Andrew Garfield, uh-huh. which is about Jonathan Larson. Um, okay. And it, it, it's, it's that, and, and mind you, he did a brilliant job of it. I thought, wow, he can really direct. I thought that was one of the finer films of two years ago. Um, so actually, my my esteem, and also, of course, the score he had for, um, oh gosh, what's the one that's set in Colombia? The um, the animated film. Oh, we don't uh, talk about we don't talk about Bruno and all. Yeah, yeah, there. yeah, right, right. I know, yeah, I so like that, I, I can't. Oh, the title's escaping me. My apologies, but um. I, know, I saw that in, in, in the cinema. I actually went. And this is, people still weren't were going back, and it, so it was mainly me and maybe two other people. I suddenly thought, oh my gosh, his score to this is so good. Um, and of course, you know, we don't talk about Bruna became a hit on the pop charts. Yeah, you know, absolutely. That, yeah, literally, yeah, the crossover is amazing. Like two or three songs from that became huge, huge hits. So he's a special artist. He, I think if you can create something really new, and he did, and um, and also, also, I mean, let's be fair. I also want to give full credit, give him his full flowers, as they say. When I I remember seeing the advertisement for Hamilton was off Broadway, the public theater before it opened, and it said, "Okay, Lin Manuel, you know, his new project is this hip hop musical about one of the founding fathers." 
And just that description thought, alone would be like, what? Oh, no, I thought, oh, hell no. He has lost his mind. <laughs> I, I, remember, I, remember, I, I vividly remember thinking this, thinking, awful, what has happened here? This is awful. But, you know, he read that, he read that biography, and he saw it in a different way. Um, you know, that, that's true artistry at work. So he captured lightning in the bottle. So for him to see, to read that book, that, oh, I can turn this into a hip-hop musical, and then turn out what eventually we know we now know as Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, and he did all that, and of course, it just all came together. He really captured the imagination, and young people love that cast recording, as you well know. Absolutely. And I, I probably have all the songs memorized and I've heard them. You probably do. <laughs> and as a result, their parents heard it too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was in our car. We'd, we'd drive to school and that would be the, the soundtrack. And, uh, and I would know, I just found it. So it was almost like, almost like listening to an audiobook. It was, I could really could picture, I think it's the music you've, you've spoken to me on that because music is one of my loves. And I think the, just the way that the the words have been crafted through those songs and the variety. That's a great point. Is this like extreme variety of music in there? Um, it, yes. it paints that visual so well um, that I was almost not disappointed, but to see it, um, I saw it, um, a, not a TV version, but it was, a, I think, a, a film. It was, it was, a, it was, it was one of those page for all and then broadcast on HBO. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 I wasn't, nearly as impressed or overwhelmed by it because I, I wanted to keep the, what I had thought in my mind and as, <laughs> as, as the treasure, right? <laughs> that's right. And that's actually a great point. Cause, um, and I talk about this a lot with fellow writers when I'm teaching writing, um, nothing, but nothing can compete with the audience's imagination. You know, what any audience member imagines is better than anything we can show them. But um, is there craft there in in spurring the imagination on um, to cause yeah, it to be active? Definitely. There are things you can do to feel like I wrote a horror play um, on commission. And I, I thought about this a lot. I realized hmm, what I can do with sounds mm. and the idea of something before the audience sees it will be very effective. I'm not yeah. going to reveal a lot until I need to. Interesting. So, because I need, yeah, so absolutely. There, is, there, there are ideas there and there's a craft there, but you can manage that. Um, and it's not just for horror and thrillers. You can do it in other things too. I mean, look, you know, you heard that cast recording over and over again in your car. And, you, and because every word is covered in the cast recording, you were able to completely visualize and imagine the story and how it looked. Yeah. I, um, had, I had buildings in my mind. Uh, I had that tent. Yeah, sure. You know, sure. talking to Washington and pleading for the job and all of that. It was just, right. <laughs> what? And, and actually when it comes to it, you know, that set is quite simple, right? Yeah. The set to Hamilton, the actual physical set. Um, and the costumes are not very complex either. Mm-hmm. The choreography is amazing. The choreography is endless and exhausting. But um, but yeah, and, no, and the, the singing is, is really good because it's challenging. Of course, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. So, and you've got you know, great, great performances. You've got all that. But the actual, but what you've probably looks 
fancier than what you ended up what, than what is actual they are. Yeah, you're right, absolutely, and and that might come from from cinematic representations of of you know things that I've seen and like ooh, you know special effects and whatnot. So that's that is a whole other discussion that causes my mind to go in crazy ways. And so yeah, you're right. It was it is very elaborate in there. <laughs> I could tell you that. <laughs> Right, you know, of course, of course, it is. I mean, it's, it's, I, I think about this all the time. How do you conjure? And songwriters do this too, right? You know, we, um, I think about Tracy Chapman's fast car. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yep. that story she tells, like you visualize that. You really do. Yeah, there. Are you really do. So the best songs do. Uh huh. Of course, songs do this all the time. And of, of course, with music, you can hit emotional buttons that even different emotional buzz that you can hit just with words alone. Yeah. From shared experiences. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. That's really good. I was just thinking too. Um, so when you're writing, cause during, during COVID you purposely wrote in different areas, what would be your approach or what is the typical approach writing for stage versus writing for film? Because to me, they're both as a layman, I'm like, it's a script and the actors are going to do what they're going to do either on the screen or on the stage. But is it a divergence? Like, are they really different in the way from the beginning, the way you derive that work? I think they should be. They should be. Um, Yes. Because um, first of all, film is very much a director's medium. So the, which is why script writers always complain about the amount of respect they get. Uh Um, and especially in film, it's interesting. TV writers typically end up being showrunners, right? They end up being the bosses. Uh-huh. So okay. there's a lot more respect for writers in television than there is in film. But film is, you know, a lot of this came from the the French, God bless them, and auteur theories and the idea that directors are kings. So in film, boss of films are much more of a visual medium, right? Mm-hmm. So. And also, you're not constrained by. There's a fixed space with theater, for the most part. You do have things that you know, but it's a very thick space, um, and fixed personnel. But, and you don't have you don't have you know VFX. You don't have huge special effects. I mean, some shows do. Like Back to the Future, which is running right now on Broadway, has this huge thing with the DeLorean flying out. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> but that's that, that's spectacle. Um, but for the most part, you know, most of us don't have millions and millions of dollars for that. Um, and, so, that, and that would be something that would just definitely be a deterrent if someone is doing a good read on your work and they're like, wait, you need a car to fly or you need this. That's a hundred percent. You know, okay. like, you know, like, do you have a fixed set? Do you have multiple sets? Can this be done in a black box with a chair and a table? Uh-huh. Um, is it about the actors and the words? Um, is it a musical? Because of course, musicals require musicians, uh, possibly mm-hmm. a choreographer. So music- musicals are much more expensive than plays. But on the other hand, musicals are more popular than plays. Yeah, so they'll bring the um, they'll fill the seats more. Interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. So, but yeah, so um, yeah, all these things, all these things matter. So it's uh, how you. So actually, when I started to write the screenplay, I had to really. it's not like just writing for different medium. I had to really rethink the the formatting is completely different. Um, 
There's often a lot less dialogue, and a plain dialogue drives the story. Yes, okay. I mean, almost, I would say 9% of the time, not all plays, of course. There's, for every arc thing, as you know, the rules are broken. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for film, think about how many films, you know, you can easily have 20 minutes in it without a word being spoken in a film. And you know, yeah, you have, it's a battle scene or whatever, and you're just showing exactly. I see. And you yeah. have editors, right? You can start and stop. You know, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> yes. You can't do that. You can't do that on stage. Yeah, <laughs> uh, transitions take time. I mean, you can make them as fast as you you know you can get them, but you know you can't. You know, like, think about like in films of like split screens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of technique, which you know, Brian De Palma uses a lot. Um, yeah, you can't jump from here to there to there to there. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. That that, that I love the way you describe that. I can understand it totally. So moving on to um, how you do your work, because there's going to be someone out here uh, in the world that's going to listen to this and go, you know, it sounds. I've always loved plays. I've always loved writing. They're going to be you, but you know, the, the very beginning stages of this, and I think this would be a good area to. Um, you know, give them a leg up. It's, it's hard to know what to do in certain areas, but this one, I know you've, you've evolved in different ways, but what, when you sit down um, with a brand new project in mind and you're going to write, do you go directly to um, MacBook? Do you go directly to your phone with notes? Cause I know uh, <laughs> musicians will be right. like, uh, they get their recorder out from their phone. Cause they're in the middle of somewhere and inspiration strikes. And they're just going to sing into the phone, right? They're not going to get right. Studio. Yeah. We- so what's it for you? Yeah, it's interesting because you, you, know, you, you hear about different artists, like when the news hits, you have to listen. And if you don't respond, you know, you might you might miss it. Um, yeah. Occasionally, um, for the most part, yeah, it's, um, I, I sit down, I sit down to a Mac. Um, I use their, I use their Ryan software pages. Okay. Um, but I tend to do, I like to do what I can rewrites on big projects. I like to do that by hand on paper with red, with red pen and a hard copy. So red, I, for, think, I think it's like you, do, how do you feel are, when you're striking and editing it? Is that, is that a productive feeling to you? Like, Ooh, this is, this is forming. This is the, the sculpture coming out of the marble or is absolutely. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to, um, one, one of my friends said the, the you know, um, Write, you know, write fast, edit slowly. Ah. Uh, so it's, it's a great piece of advice for people, for creatives, I think. And I, mind you, I struggle to do this myself. So, but to literally, to write without being self-critical all the time, mm-hmm. to create, just go, 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 that first draft. Gotcha. Um, I, I struggle with that because I like to go back the next day and just read what I wrote. My, my process is I typically write, then I sit back down again the next day I read what I've written and go through that and then proceed when I finish that and move on. Um, uh, as a result, my first draft tend to be pretty strong, but there are times when I have forced myself to just try just to write from start to finish a draft. And then, yes, then when I print it out, I'm like, uh, I just finished a play today, a new play. Oh, congratulations. About an hour, <laughs> thank you. An hour, an hour before we um, started talking. Um, so I will probably, I probably won't print that out yet. I'm going to probably work with an actor on that at some point before, um, but and it's a shorter play, but yeah, it's, uh, but then, you know, when I, I printed out 
especially in rehearsals, and I have a red pen. And uh, so if I'm in rehearsals, so before before rehearsals, you know, I just mark, 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 you know, uh-huh. this doesn't work. This is definitely not going to be funny. This is going to be horrible. Um, <laughs> so yes. you just cut all the first draft stuff out. But then when you're in rehearsal, you'll hear actors, good actors, or possibly not great actors, stumble over lines. If they keep stumbling. Okay. That's it, a clue. It's probably your dialogue. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. And then you start getting notes from, if you have a, if you have a great collaboration with your, um, your director, you know, you, you talk about what you've seen, like what's working, what's not, or, or some great idea will come out of that. Mm-hmm. And then I, this is the stuff I love. Um, I love working with actors and the director to make a piece better. You get all these talents together. Um, that's really special. So, but it starts off on a piece of, yeah, starts off for me in the Mac. Um, and is that, um, I, 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 I tried to be like this. My goal for 20, my resolution for 2024 was to sit down on my computer and write every day, no matter what the day is like for at least an hour. Okay. Yes. That's um, a good discipline practice. I like yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I did it one year, years ago. Um, as a challenge of behest of my husband mm-hmm. and he, uh, I'm, I'm stunned at how productive I was. And, oh. and even as, and while it was one of those pieces I wrote in that year, just premiered last year, um, in the United States. And so you also, you don't know, that's the other thing about the networking. When you're mean people, you're sort of always planting seeds, mm-hmm. you know, you just don't know how long things are going to take to actually, um, to bloom. Yeah, to come to fruition. And they might not. And they might not. Yeah, to come to fruition. They might not. But I couldn't believe I laughed. I realized, oh, that play that just premiered, you wrote in one month during that year that you promised to write every day. And what I discovered, I think every artist could benefit from this, um, is your, your subconscious does so much work when you do it every day. Um, it just does so much work for you. So ideas come to you and the discipline and you get in the routine. Mm-hmm. And I will also say it was a bit hellish for me when I, like January the 1st, I did not want to write on January the 1st. Because <laughs> New Year's Eve, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, just also I had not, uh, a lot. I didn't, I didn't write a whole lot. I had a lot of shows open in 2023. So I had, which I was very lucky and fortunate about. But um, as a result, I didn't focus on writing new material very much. So I got out. I did rewrites for the plays that were in production mm-hmm. and rehearsal. So but you were busy, but not with your dedication. To yeah, but not you're not creating. Music. Yeah, exactly. So, oh my gosh, January the first and the second, and the third, and the fourth. It was. I, I had friends in town. Everyone <laughs> comes to New York. And I thought, oh, I don't. Want, I don't want to. Do, it was. It was hellish. Um, but I thought, oh, this is just like you know, if you exercise mm-hmm. for the first time and having not moved in a long time. Yep. Um, yeah, you feel it. You know, it's that soreness kicks in. It, 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 it just it feels different. <laughs> it's just, it's, but um, but I think for artists, you know, and it's, of course it's challenging for actors, you know, and for singers who, who are not singers, song, they don't write the songs; they just perform, right? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you get that experience? Um, how do you get? How do you have the daily discipline when your discipline requires you to perform? Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always very interested in that with, with actors and singers who don't create their own work, and that's when that's when I think it's helpful to take classes and 
lessons and and also frankly read and see stuff yeah and i think it's it's unfortunately i i don't want to put a damper on the current generation but i do work with youth of today and i think that that discipline is a little bit lost in in some kids and it's a, a lesson that could be learned on 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 any, anyone in any any area of life is just is if you're developing in that area give it time and and put time into it so i applaud you for for even yeah, so, I, so did you work on january 1st or did you put double i did okay congratulations no 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 <laughs> that, that, that was part of it right i was one of my friends and so she goes oh because it was i kid you not it was like 10 30 at night and one day i'm like oh heck <laughs> i have not risen i have not risen today she's oh just double up tomorrow i said nope that's not how this works yeah. um and, and mind you, it was, it was a deeply, you know, riding 11 o'clock at night outside, it was deeply, deeply unpleasant. Um, <laughs> was anything, did anything come out of that that was salvageable? You know, I, it was, it was, um, uh, well, you know, it, it, it's part of that play that I just finished today. Okay. Uh, so I, maybe I took a few steps forward. Who knows? You know, but that's the other thing, right? Not every day is going to be a great day. Right. Yeah. I mean, for any artist, like every, every time we sit down to create, it's going to be a masterpiece. You know, what, go, to go back to Lin-Manuel Miranda, when he was writing Hamilton, he would send songs to Stephen Sondheim, who was one of his mentors. And Sondheim would say, keep, keep the variety going, keep changing it up. Like, he kept giving him feedback. Right. Um, you know, so... Um, which probably means that not all of those songs initially wrote, I'm sure they weren't, were successful. Um, yeah, I heard one they, story. They, yeah. I don't know if you heard this story too, and I don't know where he was, but it was an awards show for something that he had done before. And um, he was in the process of writing Hamilton and he was on the way, probably in limo and tuxedo, got an idea for a song, turned around, went back and, and finished the song and didn't go to the show. And I might have the story. Oh, where, really? Yeah, there was some, he interrupted something that he was supposed to do an obligation uh, of sorts and went back in the commitment to the art and getting it out. So, uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. When I hear that about people, um, I just kind of like, I bow like you, you're in your, your element and you're where you need to be. And the commitment is, you know, I see it in athletes and I, it's all over the place. It's just, it, I'm sorry, I got to put my blinders on because I'm in the mode. <laughs> so you're, you're that, that yeah, that, yeah, that that's um, I don't think I've ever done it to that extreme, but I definitely know the feeling. Mm -hmm. And the, the problem is, it's actually it's hard to. You know, there are social costs with that. Yes. Um, you know, it's um, your relationships with your friends, with your loved ones, your family. Um, when I you know, when I first started writing plays. This was during the big clubbing days, New York, you know, in the mid nineties and not, you know, um, in the New York city, um, my friends would go out and want me to come, but I knew if I went out with them, you know, they, they didn't come home till three or four or five in the morning. That would right? destroy you. Yes. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. There's no, so I thought I, I, I never went. I did not go once because, um, I do have some regrets because I would love to have had the experience, but, I, you know, I was working, I was working at Newsweek magazine at the time. So I needed those, when I was writing, I needed that time for myself. And I, and I love doing it. it is, 
I don't want to stop the impulse. I don't want to stop the news. And I even started taking, you know, I would, I would take sick days just to write. Oh, and my vacation really? days. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk about some vacation days, like some, you know, holidays and things so that um, I could have like four or five days of just straight writing without interruption. Yeah. That, that's, um, that says a lot. It absolutely says a lot to what's in your heart. And uh, is, what do you remember the moment when um, you, I don't know if you put in your notice um, for what you were doing or something else happened, but that switch from, a quote unquote nine to five to what you're doing now is it's got to be vastly different. Do you remember the trepidation that you experienced or do you remember the excitement or what was, there, what well, was I, happening in I, your brain? <laughs> I, I, Jay, I feel like I'm still experiencing that trepidation. <laughs> yeah. As are, as are um, many of us, I'm sure. No, absolutely. It's, um, uh, in my last corporate job, was in 2001 um and i remember you know not to make this you know turn this sad but um <laughs> I, I witnessed the 9-11 attack oh right because um, you were living there yeah yeah and i was actually i was i was i woke up early that it's interesting i usually don't go to i didn't go work to, until noon um but that morning at like four in the morning i woke up with a horrible feeling interesting and i thought i thought well you're you're awake you might as well go um, how far so I, I was, was, I was from there? Uh, so I, this was a mid, I was actually right next to the Empire State Building, so the other big landmark. Mm-hmm. Um, I was high up, so I could see it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, yeah. I, most of my most of my colleagues were not even there. Um, but I remember as it happened, and it's funny because I actually had something to do for another art, some magazine for different for outside the work. Mm-hmm. Um. I never turned that in that morning, and then the attack happened. And I remember watching those burning, those huge burning buildings going down. It was terrifying, and thinking because also um, one of uh, the corporation I was working for at the time, one of those offices was in one of those towers. Oh, really? Did you watch? Yeah, it that, from... that could have rained, that could have rained. Were that you, could randomly been. Were me. you up in your building, or were you down by the time you were watching? Oh, I was high. Oh, I was really? up. Wow. Oh yeah, no, I saw it, and so, and that was actually sort of worried. I thought they're going to also try to hit the Empire State Building. That's yeah, another right. big. That's that's the next tall landmark, and what you know, also it was so chaotic. I, you know, I won't go into all the. And in the moment, there was such there's so many questions and so much uncertainty and panic happening, mm-hmm. um, like. Are these, are, is there poisonous gas been released into the streets? Do we stay inside? Do we go outside? You know, a yes. bridge has been hit. Of course, that did not happen, but we didn't know it was happening so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but but everyone who um, in um, in the corporate office that was in the building they died. Oh my god! And I remember thinking, oh wow, if this were your last, if this were your last day, how would you feel about the scope of your life and what you've done? Yeah, that actually ran through your mind. Oh, absolutely the moment. Oh, I was so that was terrifying. that was September then. I mean, and then well, I was literally I was literally witnessing thousands of people die, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then the, the, the end of that year was my last corporate gig. Um. Do, do so sorry, think... I I, I, I created my own business, but um. Uh. Was but that... terms of, yeah, sort of left the past. 
that lit the, the path to it. So that was kind of, you maybe, I'm certainly you had your, cause you were taking vacation days to write. So you had your head in, in going, we'll call it independent. Um, and, but that was a, um, a catalyst certainly for you. Yeah. And I, I, I had two shows open in, um, actually one open in the summer of 2001, my first, my first professional production. Okay. Um, and then my second, that was in Cincinnati. And the second one <laughs> opened a few days after 9-11 in New York City. Oh, um, wow. And we weren't going to, but like, that's when the, ma- uh, the mayor begged everyone to, you know, res- open up and resume activities because people needed the relief. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we, we resumed rehearsals and we did open. Um, but, but, yeah, so I was, I, I was definitely, at this point, I was definitely, Things were starting to happen, and but I wasn't certainly wasn't making enough money. But also, you know, it was a quick realization. You know, you don't know when your time is going to be called up. Yeah, and and, do you and feel, how how do you feel now? Sorry to interrupt. Um, how do you feel now? Like you've got some a body of work, you've got a catalog, so to speak, to use musical terms anyway. Um, yeah, you've got some stuff to stand on. Um, are you? are you feeling good? Like is if tomorrow was the day, um, and you're leaving behind your, your, your stuff, um, do you, do you like what you've done so far? Do you have, um, ambitions for something way different and bigger that is burning for you right now? Um, great question. I, I do have a lot of stuff I still want to do, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I would not feel the same. You know, because I, 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 of course, I had these thoughts again during the pandemic, especially the early days, and when it hit New York City, and like a lot, you know, a lot of people I know died. Um, so I thought, well, also we didn't know the extent how bad this was going to be. Um, yeah, I have, I do have a body of work, and I don't regret what I've done. Um, I, there's more I want to do, but yeah. It, my feeling, like if I were to witness that nine eleven thing happening today, would be different. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't feel anxious about my decision. I, I don't regret what I've done. That's good. Um, now, I might regret it in you know, in fifteen twenty years when it's time for me to retire. <laughs> you know, because um, you, know, you take you take such a risk in this country. You know, the, American, the United States is not great about supporting its artists unless you hit really big. Yeah. Um, is that and, and are very commercial? So you, you know, some people are making an absolute killing, um, but that middle ground is quite shaky. Um, well, one consolation for that, and and we share this, uh, I guess, me with doing podcasts and and teaching and, and all of that in in, in your craft is, um, barring major situations, is it can be done as as an older person. It's not physically as demanding as being a, an athlete or, or whatever. Um, Correct. Lifting cargo, doing that kind of work. So um, I, we can, we can prolong it a little bit. If we have to work into our golden years to, to pay the bills, um, you know, as long as the mind is sharp, I guess we need that. Uh, that's true. That's very true. And I, you know, I've worked with so many, you know, with actors, it's a bit different. And of course with dancers, right. I've worked with a lot of yes. dancers. Oh. So, but they have very much of a ticking time clock and I've, I've actually felt really fortunate. I went, oh, you don't have this, you know, because that that for them that clock is very real, and, and just as it's for athletes, right? You know, mm-hmm. that is a very real thing. But yeah, that's the thing. I don't have to worry about 
uh, as long as the mind is sharp, um, all is good. Yeah, I can keep yeah. creating. Um, and, and it sounds yeah. like you would want to anyway. You know, retirement, quote unquote, for a creator is um, okay. Maybe you take a couple extra vacations or something. But I, yeah. if, <laughs> well, yeah, if yeah, I that's hear right. you right, you're going to be writing on your vacation anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if I write so much on my vacation now. Um, but uh, but yeah, you, know, you don't turn that off, and um, mm-hmm. you do get joy. And the great thing about writers, and, you know, and, and this also I think would also apply to songwriters. Um, anybody who's like, you know, and many visual artists is, um, you can, the, the physical demands are not so egregious that you can't keep creating. Um, it's still possible to keep going. Right. As long as the will, the energy, of course, is not the same. Um, but that's just a fact of life. Absolutely. You know? Do you find, and uh, we'll kind of wrap it a little bit here, but do you find, um, that when you put pen to paper or you put um, finger to keep keep bored, <laughs> do you find that um, it's always an enjoyable experience? I know it wasn't on January 1st. We went through that, but like in, in, in general, <laughs> do you find the art of writing and creating um, as like it, it fills your cup or do you feel sometimes that you're, if it's on, and you mentioned being on commission, I'd love to kind of know what that is real quickly, but um, like a, a contracted work in, right. in producing, is that a little different for you? Um, producing out of having to for someone else versus something brand new for your, you know, yourself. It, it, can, you know, it, it can be. Yeah, of course. You know, as opposed to right on spec, you know, which is short for speculation. Okay. Like, you know, um, um, you know, often with commissions, you have deadlines mm-hmm. and sometimes you have, um, certain specific, you know, their specifications. Um, um, you know, just like a, a comparison we can make is like when you're exercising, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not every day you do your exercise is fun and joyous. You know, it doesn't yeah. always feel yeah. good. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, um, yeah. Sometimes you're sore. Sometimes, sometimes it just, you just don't feel like it's, as good as it, it, it as it can be. You know, so sometimes the writing is torture. Sometimes you get to a place and you're like, "Oh, this is not good," but I don't know how to fix this. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, of course, it feels great when you do if if and when you do conquer that. Um, yeah, I wish I could say every day is a wonderful filling my cup bliss, but. Um, <laughs> I, I think that would be that would be uh, a pipe dream, I would imagine. For that most. is a pipe dream. Yeah, for, I mean, for you know, uh, you know, uh, think about like who's the major stars. You know, do you think they enjoy all this dance? Or like Beyonce or Taylor Swift, and Madonna. They don't love. They're not going to love all those dance rehearsals. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, because you get to no. put the work in to get to the show ready. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's, you know, it's art. We you know we as artists work really hard to make everything look effortless. <laughs> and and you do you know, a good I, job. You do. I mean, you you're fooling <laughs> us as as a as a as a group, as a consumer. Right. When I watch you guys. Oh my goodness, it's so impressive. Well, you know, you're, yeah, you're trying to make things that like just come out of you, like you know, like manna from heaven, yeah. right? You know. <laughs> um, so it works really. Be and, and I will also say this: my experience has been the easier that something comes out of me, almost typically the better it is. Okay. Um, 
And that can be sort of torturous in a, in a different way because if I'm laboring over something, often that's indicative that that's not going to be my best work. Yeah, that kind of um, speaks to what you said about just just write, just get it and go for it, and yeah. see what happens, and edit it the next day. Because if you're if you're pondering too long on the one thing, maybe it's going to spiral down. Right, yeah. and the thing is also when you write every day, even if you know, and I, I I have like a minimum of an hour, but if you're starting out, even if you just start fifteen minutes, because you ask the people who are who are wondering how to start this, yeah, you know. You can start with 15 minutes. You can start with 20 minutes. But, and literally set your timer and don't look at anything else. Yeah, turn off like, all distractions. You, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's so hard to do. That's so hard to do. <laughs> um, but you also have to, writers have to read. Because it feeds you know, what's you know, going to come out later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's no, you have to read. You don't have to, like, playwrights don't have to replace, although it's really helpful. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Stephen King has some great quote. I can't remember what it is. Basically, there's no point in being a writer if you don't read. And I, the, you know, the reading, reading rates have gone down dramatically, especially with young people. Mm. Um, and I think about this all the time. Like they don't, they're not, you know, forget about writing plays and books and whatnot. They're not going to write normal sentences. They're not reading. Oh, um, I see it. I know exactly what you're saying. I know, I know you do. I know you do. So, <laughs> But, and so for artists, like, you know, you have to, you have to expose yourself to stuff. Um, but yeah, you have to sit down. So if you're starting out, you have to put all the tracks away and just write. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good lesson. And uh, I love it. And it, uh, I think it's a great place for us to wrap up. Um, I always like to finish with um, the, the core best way for someone um Whoever's listened to this um, in its entirety, thank you so much, by the way, for listening to the podcast. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> God bless really, anyone yeah, who's listened, but it was a great conversation. To the entirety of this, we're certainly speaking Lord to have a, mercy, yeah, you have my heart. We're, 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 we're talking to a niche group here for sure, but there are, there are nuggets of great things in here. In fact, re-listen to it a dozen times, I implore you. <laughs> but finish this <laughs> off, Randall, if you don't mind, like, do I know you said that writers can be a little bit reclusive, but I'm sure you would love to have um, virtual support in, in, in any kind of way. Um, tell us where your website is, a little bit about social media for you, and um, if somebody just absolutely loves plays of any kind and want to, they want to connect directly with you and ask questions or however it works and whatever you're open to, um, sure. let us know. Um, yeah, sure. I'm on... Um... Uh, well, I have a website, randalldavidcook.com, which is actually undergoing an overhaul, but it's still up right now, but a very pathetic version. But there's a way to reach me directly. I get emails directly from them. Okay, from you have the a site. contact form. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's, the, that, that's the terminology. You can see how much <laughs> I need to work on my website. Yeah, there's a contact form. Now, um, you're a creator, I, and you leave that technical stuff for other people. Well, no, that, that actually, this is true, actually. That's a part of part of everything you, as you get older and you mature is was you're not going to be great at everything. Do what you're good at and mm-hmm. try to allocate the rest of other people because that time can be spent elsewhere and better. Yeah. Um, Katie and I have, have learned that over 30 years of marriage is, is she is very much like you and she ideas are just like flowing out in the, and I'll call it the art is there. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the sous chef 
she needs the the website done or something technological. I that's my mode. So right, you good. It's good that's, that you allocate that out to others. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, totally. And, and actually, my husband is you know was trained in engineering. Oh, perfect. You know, so <laughs> yeah, he like that. Yeah, he has a very different mind, you know, brain type yes. than me. So yeah, exactly. And actually, it's, it's good. I think it's good for pairs to have this for couples. Absolutely. Um, um, so yes, um, I am. I'm still on. What was falling into the Twitter now that it's a horrible act mm-hmm. at Randall, Randall D. Cook. I'm not sure how much longer it's going to be on there. It's Randall D. Cook. Okay. Um, I'm on Facebook at Randall David Cook. Okay. Um, but I guess probably, yes, any of these ways, um, I'm not hard to find. <laughs> so, okay. Um, uh, do you envision jumping on the, um, the TikTok, uh, Instagram, those sort of platforms. oh I, I actually I am I am I am on Instagram I forgot see I, I forget I'm on <laughs> Randall David Cook okay yes the younger people and it's funny it's funny yeah some younger some some guy in his twenties who's a filmmaker said you know, let's exchange instas I thought oh wow that's where we are yeah <laughs> um, yeah so yeah I'm on, I'm Randall David Cook on Instagram um, probably yeah for a lot of people younger people that's probably where the easiest place to find me. Um, Actually, I do not do TikTok, and not because I don't like it, but because I'm terrified what a distraction it would be. Yes. Oh, my goodness. It can be a great distraction for me. Yeah, because I've, I've heard about it. I've seen, you know, I've actually made made two TikTok videos with my niece dancing one, so I've been on there. But um, <laughs> I do not, I realize, oh, you know, all the you know cute dogs and cats and dance videos and songs and, you know, blah, 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 blah. That the whole I, day I would, would go I would, away. Well, yeah. that's it. That's it. I'm, it's already bad enough. Um, you know, I think the only salvation on that that I've heard is the battery on the phone dies, and then you you're like pulled away from this magnet, and you're like, oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and you with your discipline hour plus of writing, I, I I applaud you. Don't do it. Don't go down that rabbit hole and and get into. The <laughs> and this podcast yeah, is not yeah. sponsored by TikTok. Right. <laughs> I hear you. I, I mean. Because I, I I have made a purposeful decision not to, yeah. um, and I, and mind you, I'm tempted. I'm the kind of person who I'm. Listen, I'm a Gemini. I love to. I'm easily distracted. I love all this stuff. Um, and in fact, it's interesting. I think um, I am working on a new musical where it probably be pop songs, and I think the songwriter wants to. He goes, "Well, we'll start putting them on TikTok when they're ready." I'm like, "Oh my gosh." <laughs> My suggestion for that, because we're learning a little bit about social media, we've actually had, I wouldn't call it viral, but um, we've got four cats and uh, we did a, a little, right, little right. thing. I don't know if you heard about it, but um, one of them jumped up on our ping pong table while we were playing and batted the ball back a few times. And, <laughs> and this little account that we have all of a sudden with like four or five views of whatever video we put about the cats on there, 22,000 in two days. Gee. So, that that's the part that yeah that's why uh, that, it, the TikTok is, is a good for you know promotion purposes and I so yes you not you won't have but, to get on there just let just hear the metrics hear the numbers after your stuff right that, right be fulfilling boss I'd have to create something as entertaining as a cat batting off <laughs> maybe not maybe would, you have someone else create I don't know that's pretty you know that's pretty impressive you know <laughs> see, that's the kind of thing that I would want to see and I would get in trouble with right because I'm like oh look at this I want to see more cat and doggy stuff and so. they, they will show them to you you will see more than you've ever I know, I know. 
Well, that wow, twenty two thousand. That's impressive. Yeah, and that's nothing because I told some students today. I'm like, oh my god, they're up to twenty two thousand, and they're like, oh well, we're on TikTok and we've got four million. I'm like, what are you talking about? And it's wow, it's silly. They're running in a parking lot, singing a song and looking at the camera. They don't even know why it has the allure <laughs> that it does. But there are people out there, that, that, consumers of that, you know, of those videos that both you and I are acknowledging would be attractive to watch. But I think in the back of the brain, knowing it's a time suck, that's where we stand apart. <laughs> so I'm proud of you and I'm proud of me for not, not devoting our lives to that. Well, I mean, because you have a choice, right? Where yeah, we well, have limited time is a limited resource. And you know, food, where do you want that to go? Table, right, food on the table, and that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is well. Been thank you, great. Jay. It's been Absol- a pleasure. Absolutely, been a total pleasure, and it's been a decade since we've had a conversation. And I, I loved. I was going to say, I was going to say, it's been it's been a long time <laughs> since we chatted. We're not going to mention that, like how. No, long it's I'm been. not going to say how much. <laughs> I did. I did think about that before the chat started. I thought. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Except for that little stint where you did the residency. I call it a residency. I don't know if that was a thing, but up at Furman when you had um, you know, your play, that would be like that maybe a middle point of, of our long time between. So, right. Like a brief, yeah, brief intersection. Brief intersection. But um, I love this and um, it's been fantastic. I love learning all of this and thank you for sharing your expertise. And, uh, and well, thank, yeah, thank you for having me and thank you for um, chatting so long. Absolutely. No, it's, I, love, I love doing it. That's why the podcast exists. So um, as a bit of trivia before we end, because I haven't asked this question in a long time, but and you're, you're in theater, so that you're the perfect person. If you don't know it, no, no pressure. But Limelight, because the podcast is named after a term that started as a theatrical device. Do, what When I say Limelight, what what conjures up in your mind? Yeah. If I know, if I know this, um, limelight was, um, material that was used around the light mm-hmm. to prevent, um, in the early theater to prevent, um, maybe even fire issues. You're absolutely right. And it was like the preliminary stage lighting that was, um, dependable, I guess, as we want to say. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I passed the test. You did. Fantastic. And that's the, now you can pass that along to anyone else. They're like, oh yeah, well, or use it. Oh, please use the word or somewhere you, <laughs> in one of your plays. <laughs> it, it, is, it is fascinating how, like some of these terms that we use now, when you, what the origins are, right? That stuff is fascinating. Mm-hmm. I love that too. Yeah. I, I remember um, old taking old English in, the, in college and, and like, whoa, that word became that oh, word in middle yeah. English and then became that word in modern English. What? fabulous right well awesome well uh i do again appreciate the time and i and it's been awesome so um look forward to putting this one out to the world and uh hopefully we can reconnect another time and we can catch up absolutely thanks so much i appreciate it you're welcome have a great evening you too you too Bye bye bye